Welcome to the Adaptable Podcast. We're your hosts, Morgan, Anna, Claire, a group of physical therapists and student physical therapists who are dedicated to building a community and breaking down barriers for individuals with disabilities and chronic illnesses who are or want to become a part of our profession. Join us as we embark on this journey and get to know some incredible individuals along the way. Hey, everybody. We are back with the Adaptable Podcast, and we are excited today to talk with one of our other hosts, Morgan. And we're excited to hear your story, Morgan. Yeah, I'm excited to to share with everyone. Yeah. So just to kind of get us kicked off and started, where are you at currently in your PT adventure? So I am currently a third year in a DPT program, and I am, I just finished the first week of my first terminal clinical, so I have about 23 weeks of clinicals before I graduate, and that's super exciting. Yeah, almost there. You can, like, see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. That's awesome. So what got you interested in the field of PT? So growing up, I was very uncoordinated. I, I call myself a fish because I have only ever been good at swimming. In the water, I kind of like, I'm able to do things that I'm not able to do on land. I wasn't really sure why that was um, until my uh, kneecaps started dislocating and you know, my shoulders were never really stable. And so I was like, that's kind of weird. So my pediatrician was like, well, let's try physical therapy and see if that does something. So kind of going through the physical therapy situation myself, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting, but I don't really know what I want to do when I grow up. You know, I always flip-flopped back and forth. Even in college, I flip-flopped back and forth. I was never really sure. I wanted to do, I wanted to do all the things. I tried so many things and I just kept coming back to, okay, well, like, what do I actually want to do with my life? And I got to the point where I was like, okay, well, I want to help people. And so I kind of reflected like, okay, well, what has helped me? And so that was just kind of like a natural progression of, okay, well, I know PT really helped me with what I now know is a connective tissue disorder, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, But at the time I was just a really awkward, uncoordinated kid who could only do (laughs) water, not, not land sports. So, um, you know, really the fact that, you know, someone said, okay, well, here's something I think you can do and here's how I'm going to help you do it. It's just such like a freeing thing that I wanted to be able to do that for other people too. That's awesome. So how has having Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, how has that changed your PT journey? Like as a whole? Yeah, so it's definitely something that I did not anticipate affecting me as much as it has. Because, you know, before PT school, I didn't really, it didn't really interfere with anything that I did. Like, it was annoying when my joints would, you know, uh, either be really sore or just, you know, not stable. Um, And I also have POTS, which is kind of like a comorbidity of EDS and so it affects my heart rate and that was really my limiting factor beforehand and so I made sure my program knew about that before I came in but I didn't really think EDS was going to affect me and we started doing like joint mobilizations and you know I had to like lift 
people and I'm like, wait a minute, like my fingers like don't work the same way other people's do. Like, you know, they're you know, bending backwards and like they can't hold and like support. And I'm like, oh no. So then, you know, I've had to figure out like different ways to do stuff. And at first, like, you know, some people kind of questioned like, oh, like maybe she shouldn't be here if she can't do it the way that it's traditionally done. Like it's always been done this way. And so the whole time I've kind of had to be like, well, I can do it too. It just might not look the same way. It's like, you know, when you look at me, you don't say, oh, like there's something very obviously wrong with her. And so that's, that's kind of been another part of it too, is like it being like an invisible illness or disability, whatever you want to call it. You know, people don't automatically assume, hey, she might need extra time to do something or she might have to do things differently. They just expect you to like go, go, go. And so a lot of that has been, I've had to figure out how to advocate for myself and figure things out for myself. And when I can't, I've learned that I have to ask for help. And that's, that's always been something that's hard for me. But I think once I figured that out, PT school got a lot easier because I was like, wait, like, I don't have to do it the same way everyone else does it. As long as my patients get better, it shouldn't matter how I do it. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely makes sense. So obviously you've had to really, as you pointed out, you've really had to advocate for yourself. So what has that looked like through the journey within your program or with your peers? Like what does that relationship look like? when you're having to advocate for yourself, how has that altered your relationships with like your cohort or your professors? It's definitely changed the dynamic. Um, You know, some people are quicker to accept these sort of things. You know, this, this thing doesn't act the same way as the other things type of situation. And so, you know, I've had some peers and some professors, you know, jump on board super quick and be like, oh yeah, like if you need any help, let me know. And like, they actually mean that. Whereas, you know, some people it's taken like a little bit of time, but I think I'm starting to finally get to a point where like people are asking me like, oh, I'm having trouble with this, you know, not for the same reasons as you, but like, how do you figure out how to do that? Because I've had to problem solve. And so even if it's not the same situation, people are starting to come to me like, oh, I'm like, maybe Morgan has an idea on how to do it since, you know, she's had to kind of figure out different ways to approach a problem or do things. And it's the same with patient care. You know, if a patient comes in and someone's like, what in the world? I have no idea what to do. And like, I mean, I still encounter those things too, but I feel like over time, I feel like I relate to my patients, even if it's not the same stuff. just being able to work through that puzzle together and not have knowing that you don't have all the answers and accepting that is really something that a lot of my professors and especially my mentor have really harped on is just like being okay with not knowing everything. So true. So true. And sometimes a hard thing to accept. Especially when you're like, Oh, like I want to get all the good grades. I want to help all the patients. And you're like, <laughs> you got to like slow down a little bit and like, okay, let's go step by step. Yes, absolutely. So what about with like your clinical instructors? Cause I know sometimes that can be 
almost intimidating, like walking into a clinical rotation and just knowing I'm going to have to do things differently than maybe my CI traditionally knows things should be done. So how is that experience been for you? Yeah, so I have asked my program not to share information about my diagnosis or really anything separate from what, you know, they would include about any other student uh, approaching a clinical. And so it's kind of been on me to inform my clinical instructors if I, you know, if I feel like it's necessary. And so some clinicals, I have said it on day one and some I waited like a couple weeks to even talk about it. Um, I have talked about it with all of them so far, and I feel like that's pretty important for me, just creating a safe space for myself. Some people, it takes me a little bit longer to gauge, you know, when they're ready to get that information from me and work with me. And so I've had one clinical instructor who was super helpful. She was my last one um, this summer. She was like, what in the world is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome? Like, oh, you have POTS, like I've heard of that, but like, how does that relate to PT? And so she was super interested. And we actually had a couple of patients that, you know, we can't diagnose EDS and POTS as PTs, but, you know, I was able to, you know, raise a little red flag and say, hey, wait a minute, like, this seems like super familiar. And so we, we were able to refer, we had two patients, we were able to refer them out and it came back that um, one of them had EDS and the other one had POTS. And I was like, wow, like we are out here and we do show up in PT clinics. So it is important for PTs to know about these sort of things. And my CI was like, wow, like I definitely wouldn't have caught that if you were here. And I think it really like confirmed that like I do have value um, as a PT. And that was something that I've been struggling with ever since I started this whole journey is like, you know, what in the world? Like, it's just a limitation. EDS and POTS are just limitations, but now they're kind of tools to like, be like, hey, like, here's this thing you might not know about that like, I, you know, 100% know about how it relates to me and can maybe give some insight in how it relates to other people because everyone's different. And so really working with my last clinical instructor, she, she was really pivotal in like changing that like mindset that's awesome. And I love how you were able to use your knowledge of, you know, your experience with POTS and EDS and actually help somebody else, you know, come up with some answers. Because I know sometimes that's kind of scary to know that, like, I have this going on, but I have no idea what it actually is. So to help them find answers, that's really awesome. Yeah, it's really scary as a patient. And so, like, having gone through that myself, even if it's not an EDS or POTS patient, like having someone with a medical mystery, just being heard is all you want. And so, you know, if I can be that listening ear and teach other people to be that listening ear, it just, it makes the whole process so much better for everyone involved. You get better patient outcomes and everyone's just a lot happier. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I have another question kind of about clinicals um, and your patient interactions. Do your patient, do you ever talk to your patients about your own experiences or how do you see that necessarily affecting your direct communication or interactions with your patients? That's a great question. Um, 
I'm very selective with who I tell just in my general daily life. And so with patients, it's even more, I, I won't, I won't give it any like details, but if, if it does naturally come up, you know, I don't have a problem sharing that sort of thing, especially if, you know, you gauge the patient's reaction. If, if you telling them that you have, you know, this, this situation that you're dealing with, it's not, your, your 45 minute hour long session is not about you. It's about the patient. And so you kind of have to gauge like, okay, well, what sort of benefit is it going to give the patient if I use part of their time to tell my story? And so I've kind of learned how to like sprinkle in like, you know, a few seconds or a few minutes of just like getting them to open up and feel more comfortable saying, oh, like, patients can be providers and providers can be patients. And, you know, it's like a nice little blend and like maybe she kind of knows what I'm going through. So that kind of like builds that rapport with your patient and um, really just allows them to open up even more. Um, It's not every patient. There's definitely been times when I have known to keep my mouth shut about my own situations but there are other times when it has been incredibly freeing for a patient to be like wait like you actually get it and I had one patient break down on me this was my like second week of my first clinical and she like she like saw my elbow bend backwards and she's like do you have EDS and I was like um yeah and she like started crying and she was like my daughter has EDS and you know, this woman was like in her 70s. So her daughter, you know, is much older than I am. She was like, you know, when, when she was a baby, they used to, they used to call child protective services because they thought we were abusing her because she'd have these bruises and all these injuries that like weren't really easily explainable. And we went through such a hard time and we've never met anyone else with EDS. And she cried and she hugged me. This was before COVID, obviously. And she hugged me and she, I like, I started breaking down and like, it was just so powerful. Even though like, that's not what she was dealing with. Like she had her own personal story and I had my own personal story. And it like opened a line of communication that otherwise wouldn't have been there with that patient. And so, you know, it's not her, it's not her particular story, but I feel like it just allowed us to establish more of a relationship going forward. I can only imagine how powerful that experience was. I cried a lot. (laughs) I probably would have too. (laughs) Oh man. So what is your like goal with PT? Like moving forward, you're getting ready, you're gearing up for graduation where are you wanting to head? Like, what is your dream PT job look like? Whoa, like big picture, dreaming big. I'm thinking I want to be the POTS slash EDS PT, which, you know, super big dream. But honestly, just being in clinic for the clinical experiences, I already know that the caseload is out there, you know? It's not going to be that difficult once the caseload is established. It's, you know, raising awareness and, you know, networking and communicating and, you know, getting really efficient at that. But I'm also interested in pediatrics. Who knows? There might be some, like, I'm, I'm interested in so many things. In an ideal world, I would have 
grandparents bring in their little grandkids and then I'd have POTS and EDS patients because I just like interacting with a mix of patients. That would be my ideal setup. That sounds amazing. With all of the doors opening now with more like telehealth being available to us, you would absolutely be able to like just reach out and do that. Like it wouldn't even have to be, you know, a brick and mortar situation. You can still serve that population in so many different ways. So that that's really incredible. I'll be excited to see where you go with that. Me um, too. Yeah. The adventure is real. It's a lot of fun once you get out of school and you can start exploring that. There's definitely more people out there. Um, I feel like every time I turn around, I meet another person with EDS and POTS and I'm like, wait, what? Like, There's so many. Around every corner. Um, and as soon as I heard it once, all of a sudden it was everywhere I looked and then my college roommate had EDS and POTS and I was like, okay, like, and everywhere I turn now, like there's more. So there's definitely a population out there. Mm -hmm. Yes. So last question for you, I think for the day, what piece of advice would you have for other students or students who have somebody in their class who are dealing with the same situation or similar situations that you are, what piece of advice would you have for them to help them move forward? It's kind of like what you said during your interview, just reach out to people. I know that that's a hard thing to do at first, but once you start reaching out to people, it does become easier to reach out to more people and kind of build your support system that way. I know it took me a while to open up, especially in PT school because I didn't want to be seen as, oh, she can't do everything. And so I kind of like didn't really say anything at first, but we had a guest lecturer come into our MSK class to teach the TMD content. And he, he was, he was on faculty, but not in this class. And so he saw like my hypermobile body and he was like, wow, you know, like, do you have a lot of jaw subluxations? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you have EDS? And I was like, probable. It just hasn't been confirmed yet. You know, this was back in 2018. And he's like, do you have POTS? I was like, well, yeah, like, where are you going with these questions? And he's like, oh, well, I think, I think I can help you. And so then we started doing research, you know, with POTS and PT and presented that at a national conference. And then I got to talk to like 800 people about it. And so really just starting with that one interaction, I was able to bring that information to 800 people at a national conference. And so again, it's kind of like a snowball effect. Like once you talk to one person and build that relationship of communicating like, Hey, I need help with this. I need help figuring out how to do this. Like let me know how I can help you, you know, make sure it's a two-way street. Um, and really just going from there, it just exponentially grows. And so then you have all these people that you can reach out to if you need something and they can, they can talk to you if they need something. That would be my advice. Just starting small. Love it. Well, thank you, Morgan, for sharing your story. And we're excited for next time getting to hear from Anna, who's our last host in this new adventure. So looking forward to that. But 
I'm excited to see where you go, Morgan, as we move forward with this experience and as you move forward with your own PT journey. Thanks, Claire. I look forward to working with you. Whoop, whoop. It's going to be fun. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Adaptable Podcast. If you liked today's episode and want to learn more or be a part of the conversation, you can check us out on our Instagram or Facebook group linked in the description below. You can also contact us via email at theadaptablepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to chat with you. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to hanging out with you next week.